so today we're looking at the last uh, one. Uh, so, so far we've, we've seen, uh, we've gone through how we can be ready to stand and that God is always at work behind the scenes. We've seen how we can stand with conviction and that God is always right and that it's always right to do the right thing. And then we've seen how we should at times have the necessity to stand down and that surrendering to God leads to greater things. And then how we are to stand with humility because humility ultimately wins the day. And then last Lord's Day we looked at how we are to stand up and speak because we need to be mindful that to be bold and to leave all the results to God because it always works. So today we're looking at keep standing. Uh, don't be complacent but maintain vigilance. Okay, so by way of introduction, at a second banquet with Ahasuerus and Haman, Esther revealed a request that the king spare her and her people's lives. When Ahasuerus learned Haman had devised a plot against Jews, the king left the banquet in anger. And um, while he was gone, Haman took the opportunity to plead for his life uh, with Esther. And it just so happened that when he approached the couch to plead with her, he tripped and fell on the couch with her at the time that the king entered the room. And of course, Haman's plight was sealed. Okay, um, he lost his life in the process of begging for his life. Uh, because his actions, what the king saw, interpreted as a violent, as violence against the queen. And, um, and so he was hung on the gallows that he had prepared for somebody else. All right, let's uh, look at the first question we have on page 121. What are some of your favorite ways to celebrate? What are some of your favorite ways to celebrate? Food. <laughs> Food? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Food. Notice every celebration includes food. You notice that? Any good one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. I guess that's a good, good answer for everybody. Uh, food. If you have food, you're going to get people there and there will be celebration, of course. And all the more so, the food is good. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life. If someone can read that, please. Your parents probably celebrated some fairly large milestones in your life. Your first words, your first steps, your first day of school, graduation from high school or college. There's Joe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and why not celebrate these events, small victories perhaps, show that you were growing up. But your parents were not content with that. Even as they celebrated, they worked with you so that your words became sentences your baby steps developed into walking and running, and your daily trips to school led to an education and perhaps a diploma. As we celebrate each milestone, we continue moving forward to reach the next milestone and another reason to celebrate. King Ahasuerus' reign in Persia 
the Jewish people achieved a great victory through the prayers and efforts of Mordecai and Esther. One great victory, yes, but their work was not complete. They had addressed one injustice, but another still loomed ahead. There was no time to settle into complacency. We see in the lives of Esther and Mordecai great examples of persistence against injustice. Okay, and what's the point? Don't become complacent, maintain vigilance. Okay, and we have a tendency to become complacent at times, don't we? Yes. Uh, when we ought to replace that complacency with maintenance and vigilance. It's easy to become complacent, but we must remain vigilant even as we celebrate the victories we've experienced over justice. And so as we go through the study, we need to be prayerful that the Lord will help us to maintain vigilance and, and also praise Him for our celebration times and also for the victories that He allows us to achieve in our lives. And that ought to be a constant in our lives as we move about and have our being. Okay, let's look at the first power passage we have. And that is Esther chapter 8, verses 1 to 2, page 123. Someone can read that, please. That same day King Ashurus rewarded Queen Esther, the state of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, Mordecai, and the king's person because Esther had been her relationship to Mordecai. The king removed his senate reign he had recovered from him and gave it to Mordecai mm -hmm. and has to put him in charge of Haman's estate. Okay. <laughs> so honor came to two people in two ways on the same day. Mm -hmm. One, Esther. On the same day Haman was executed, King Ahasuerus granted to Queen Esther all of Haman's estate and fortune. Mm -hmm. It was customary for the property of criminals to be seized by, a, by the crown. As the king, Ahasuerus could have taken these new spoils and enriched himself. But he generously gave them to his wife, the queen. Esther wisely delegated the management of this newfound estate to Mordecai. And then too, Mordecai, the king had taken his signet ring from Haman in dishonor, now he gave it to Mordecai in great honor. Mordecai would essentially be the prime minister of Persia. The king chose a man of great faithfulness and personal integrity to replace one who was neither. Surely Mordecai, the faithful Jew, knew the ultimate source of any honor he received. Fear not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one, lifting up another, according to Psalm 75, 6 and 7. We soon see God doing just that in this instance. He took one down and he put up another. And that ought to always be our prayer, shouldn't it be? You know, we look at a government, who's not probably doing what they should be doing, and we remind ourselves that it is God who put them there. It's God who can remove them. 
And that ought to be our prayer that God would do just that. Okay, continuing. Uh, will we be honored as Mordecai and Esther were with public acclaim and material wealth when we stand against injustice? Some falsely teach this, but we should never assume or even expect this kind of quid pro, quid pro quo from God. What we see in this passage is not prescriptive for all of us, but descriptive of how God worked in this particular instance. While scripture does portray the lives of those like Mordecai and Esther, who received honor and wealth in that moment, we also find in God's word descriptions of those who suffered and even died for their faithfulness and integrity. The Bible doesn't promise material rewards or escape from trouble, but it points to the life to come when Christ will make all things new. Romans 8, um, 16, 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Two passages we need to keep in mind. Our story does end well, but it is not tied to a robust bank balance of public rewards, awards. What God was waiting for, what God has waiting for us, far more surpasses earthly glories as we will live forever with Christ. Mordecai became Prime Minister of Persia. For those who are in Christ will live and reign with him in the coming kingdom of God. Let's look at that passage provided here. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Someone read that, find it please. This is a faithful saying, for if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Okay, very good. So we notice with, uh, with regards to Esther and Mordecai, uh, Esther put Mordecai over the house of Haman. What an ironic situation, eh? With the events, mm-hmm. with the events recorded in Esther chapter 8, 1 and 2, Mordecai possessed the wealth, power and the title that had once belonged to the enemy of Haman. All right, so see how the tables turn? Okay, Haman got all his wealth, prestige, and power from his enemy. A great reversal had occurred. And so these verses demonstrate that honor eventually comes to those who display an upright character. Always comes to those who display an upright character. And we have this verse uh, reminding us that that actually happens. Okay, question number two. What rewards should we anticipate for standing against justice? 
place in heaven. A place in heaven, the scripture promises, okay. What else? What other rewards we can expect when we stand against justice, apart from what the scripture promises? Hmm? Doing what is right? Okay. Uh, but that would be a source of encouragement to others, right? Yes. Is it, is it a reward to you when you do what is right and you see it impact somebody else in a positive way rather than a negative way? It makes you feel good, right? Yeah. Well, that's a reward. I experienced that last week. Mm-hmm. Someone was speaking out for their rights mm-hmm. because they feel as if justice was not... Injustice was done to them. Mm-hmm. So I um, were able to in, <clears throat> encourage them, you know, and they did appreciate that. See, there you go. Okay, what are some of the ways God has rewarded you in the past for being just, for, for showing justice? For standing up against justice? Anyone anyway, can think of any ways God has rewarded you in the past? Something that you've done, you saw some injustice being done, you stood up against it, and uh, you were rewarded for it. Anyone anyway, can think of any instance that happened with you? Um, and I spoke against something pertaining to a child or parent, a friend of theirs. Can I speak a little louder so they can hear you in the back? Okay. <laughs> Someone, the, the guy I told you about who was doing some life spoke to the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the relatives spoke to me and said, you know, I, I think she's an American. She said, I thank God I met you or someone like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She said, no. Okay. So I said, you know. There you go. So, Anybody else? Anything that exists in you. <laughs> so may God has rewarded you in the past for standing up for justice. Okay, honor comes to those who live with an upright character. Always, it never fails. In the next verses, however, we'll see that we cannot rest until the victory is absolutely complete. And that's where complacency comes in. So we ought not be complacent until the victory is complete. So let's look at the next uh, verses that we have. That's verses 3 to 8. Verses 3 to 8. Someone want to read that, please? Then Esther addressed the king again. She fell at his feet, wept, and begged him to invoke the evil of him. There. Agagai. And his cloth. <laughs> the king extended the golden sacrifice towards Esther. So she got up and stood before the king. He said, It is if it pleases the king, and I am found standing before him. If the matter seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, then a royal edit be written. Then he revoked the documents and scheming, the scheming human, son of. Amada. 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 
wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how could I bear, bear to see the disaster that would come on my people? How could I bear to see the destruction of my relatives? Esther and Mordecai had caused to, to celebrate Haman had been executed. Mordecai held a powerful position, and Esther had great wealth. However, they could not rest until all their people were safe. Haman was dead, but his edict was very much alive. The king could not supply, the king could not simply overturn his previous decease. He could have ever, he could have ever purposed a new law that would counteract the previous one. Esther again risked the king's heir by asking to keep asking for help for her people. A boldness paid off. Permission still stood to kill the Jews, but the Jews were now given the right to protect themselves. If anyone had animosity towards the Jews, he would think twice because the genocide had been changed to a flight. A fight. To a fight. Mm -hmm. To the king and his Jewish queen stood on the other side. Our work can be ongoing or standing in the gap for others and seeking justice for them. But Esther and Mordecai remain, remind us that we must persevere in our work for, of justice. It's not enough to make a few statements on social media. It's not enough to vote every four years. Hmm. We must continually intercede before our king, as Esther went before the king and interceded for our people. We should do the same before the throne of God. Consider our own motivations. Esther and Mordecai sought to use their platform to serve God's people for many years. See Esther 10.3. We must do likewise. Esther 10.3. Come on, Mordecai, the Jew was next unto King Azariah, and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people, and speaking peace to all of his city. Okay, so Mordecai became prime minister mm -hmm. and uh, spoke for his people. A couple of highlights or main points we want to look at in the paragraphs we saw, uh, we just read. Uh, one, Esther and Mordecai had cause to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And shouldn't they have? Yes. Yes, because they saw the hand of God at work. Mm -hmm. They fasted and prayed and God responded. So they had good reason to, to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Haman had been executed. That was another good reason to celebrate. <laughs> okay? The problem was gone. The problem was eliminated. Okay? Mordecai held a powerful position and Esther had great wealth. However, they could not rest until the people were safe. 
Okay, and then the other point is, the highlight point is, Haman was dead, but his edict was very much alive. Okay, uh, the king could not simply overturn his previous decree. He could, however, propose a new law that would counteract the previous one. All right, so the king did well. Uh, he couldn't reverse the decision he made before, so he made a new law. So, saying that he was the king, mm -hmm. so he had to come up with a new law even though? Yeah, because the rule said that he couldn't reverse the law. Mm -hmm. According to the rules. According to the rules, right. And of so course, being king, he had to abide by, by so his own rules. Yeah. <laughs> now you can say he could change yeah. his own rules, but... Right. And it had the seal on it. Yeah. It had the seal on it, yes. Yeah. Okay. Would you say, would you say, would God have you no one can care? Absolutely. Right. Hmm. I mean, we don't always know what God has planned for us, but what He does have planned, um, no one can change. Yeah. And then the third uh, point is, um, Esther and Mordecai's boldness paid off. Mm -hmm. Permission still stood to kill the Jews, but the Jews were now given the right to protect themselves. So instead of being slaughtered, uh, as defenseless people, they had now had a, had a right uh, to stand up and defend themselves. But isn't it strange that even up to now, they're trying to slaughter the Jews? Hmm? Even up to now, this yes. one was looking at something and the Jews fell way through the way through the fence with their cutlass and stuff like that. So they come to slaughter the Jews. Mm. They come to slaughter the Jews. Yeah. It's still happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Jews will always have a target on their back. Question number three. How would you describe the role of persistence in the Christian life? How would you decide? It pays off. It pays off, okay. It also tells that God is real and true and He is faithful. Okay, it reminds us that God is real and true and faithful. Okay. So what are some of the promises in Scripture that can help us persist when we feel like we want to quit? What are some of the promises that, that God has I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you to the end. Okay. Very good. That's a good one. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be with you. And so there's no reason to throw in the towel. There's no reason to quit. But you know, when both of you are saying that second um, was, you all you all say Christ will live and reign. You live, but those who are in Christ will live and reign with Christ, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, you all both of you all live on that way forever. Until <laughs> <laughs> I bring the chance okay. forever. Yes, that's uh, that's important. Yeah, that way is very important. I yeah, feel like forever. forever. Reign in Christ forever. It's a blessing following Christ. Mm -hmm. And forever. Okay. So we definitely can't resist until the victory is complete. That's right. That's for sure. So in the next verses we will see that the time comes to rejoice in what God does. That's the next passage. 
chapter 9 verses 20 to 22. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to all the Jews in all of King Ahasuerus' provinces, both near and far. He ordered them to celebrate the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar every year, because during those days the Jews gained relief from their enemies. That was the month when their sorrow was turned into rejoicing and their mourning into a holiday. They were to be days of feasting, rejoicing, and of sending gifts to one another and to the poor. Okay, look at question number four. How can our group do a better job of celebrating God's victories in our lives? Our bodies. <laughs> lots of food, eh? <laughs> yeah, lots of food and drink. <laughs> what did, um, how did they celebrate? Look at the words. How did they celebrate? They sent gifts. Okay, they sent gifts. All right. Uh, it says they, they celebrated uh, uh, days of feasting and gladness, partying, okay. Sending gifts and so food. They're, they're uh, being able to get the relief from their enemy. Right, okay. We have an enemy and it's Satan. When Jesus saves us, we do have freedom and we have gained victory. And we may not celebrate that enough. That's right. We don't. Mm -hmm. And it ought, to, it ought to always be celebrated because um, there's gloominess and sadness in hell whenever Christians have victory. Mm -hmm. And we need to celebrate that victory more. Okay, uh, let's look at the paragraphs that we have uh, with those verses. Someone can read that. Once Mordecai sealed the new decree in the king's names, the Jews were able to defend themselves. They stood up to everyone who hated them, and as a result, not a single person could withstand them. Fear of them fell on every nationality. Verse 2. The Jews were fighting for their own protection. Once the fighting stopped, the Jews could finally celebrate their freedom. This celebration became known as the Feast of Purim. Purim is the plural form of Pur, the Hebrew word for the lot that was cast before Haman to determine which day he would carry out his massacre of the Jewish people. Chapter 3, verse 7. Okay, chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, so in the month of April, during the, wealth, during the 12th year of King Xerxes, uh, rain, lots were cast in Haman's presence, so lots were called Purim to determine the best day of month to take action. And the day select selected was March 7th, nearly a year later. Okay, continue. But what was intended for destruction became just the opposite, and the Jews still celebrate today. Mordecai and Esther's story is our story, for out of the Jewish people came our Savior. Although Christians do not celebrate for them, we do have a celebration of deliverance. Through the Lord's Supper, we remember the deliverance Christ brought to us through his death. Once alienated from God, we are all, Jew and Gentile, 
now invited to dine at the king's table. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility, Ephesians 2.14. We still have much to do for the kingdom. Our work will not be complete until Christ returns, but we have much to celebrate. We will have opportunities to stand up for others in the face of injustice. Through our words, actions, and prayers, people can find hope no matter what injustice they face. Let's keep standing for others, and let's keep celebrating. God is at work. Okay, very good. Now, what are some of the principles? Question number five. What are some, what principles have stood out throughout this study from the book of Esther? What principles uh, that caught our attention, that stood out? Always stand up for what is right. Always stand up for what is right, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, what else? You can do all things through Christ's strength. Okay, we can do all things because Christ gave us the enablement to do it. Okay, what else? Any others? The importance of prayer and fasting. Okay. Two things for me. One, God has always had a remnant throughout the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. There was always a remnant of Jews mm -hmm. that he, he always had to protect mm -hmm. that nation, to keep that nation going. In this mm -hmm. case, there were two, Esther and Mordecai, mm -hmm. that saved the nation. Okay. The other was that Esther is such an example of the love of Christ. She was given an opportunity to write whatever she wanted. She could have helped herself. That's right. But she did not. She helped her people. And that's what Jesus did for us. He could have gotten himself off that cross, but he did not. Mm -hmm. He thought about others. He thought of us. Good. Very good. Being humble? Okay. Yes, we saw a lot of humility there. Okay. Um, what, uh, what I asked Mr. Pitt to go back and read that portion what he read just now with Mordecai and ask the story as our story. Would you read that back to me, please? Oh, to me. Yeah. The on page 126. Yeah. Yes. Mordecai and Esther's story is our story, where mm -hmm. out of the Jewish people came our Savior. Okay. Although Christians do not celebrate Purim, we do have a celebration of deliverance. Mm -hmm. Through the Lord's Supper, we remember the deliverance Christ brought to us through his death. Once alienated from God, we are all, Jew and Gentile, now invited to dine at the king's table. For mm -hmm. he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Okay. Yes. Mr. Brenda? Yes. Um, uh, why I ask him to read that? Talking about the Lord's Supper. Sometimes they're going to be take that way because I, I I said once and inside someone, they say, I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper because I did something wrong. Or, you know, you, you say, no, you have to, it's something I want to say, but the Lord's Supper. 
Why is it when you take that, like, once, twice a month? Something like this should be taken all the time. Well, you're, you're not the only person. We used to do it twice, we now only do it once. And um, someone has questioned why we cut out one. Um, um, and I've, I've, you know, I've addressed that with, with, the, with the leaders, and um, I haven't gotten a response. Because um, that is a reminder. You know, no, we had a situation where um, we were calling for volunteers to work in junior church. Some people volunteered, and uh, they volunteered on the first Sunday to do it. And they would have missed communion on that first Sunday because they volunteered. And so they raised the question, why did we eliminate one of the two? Why can't we still have both? Um, we used to have it on the first and third. And um, so when they eliminated the evening service, which had the communion in it, that communion went eliminated with, with that third service. And so the question was asked, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't we reinstate it? Now, when I spoke with one of the leaders, the chairman, he says, oh, that just fell through the cracks. Uh, that's, a, that's an easy fix. All right. Um, spoke with him last week, and he said, well, um, what we'll do is we'll make arrangements for those persons to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper. But he didn't mention whether they're going to reinstate the, the second one. So it's still only one. Wow. Right. But you know, well, the scripture says, as, as often as you. That's as often. Okay. As often as you take yeah. it, remember the Lord's, the Lord's yeah. death. You said someone questioned the one before? Yeah, someone questioned the one service. Uh, why they, no, well, one lady uh, came to church one Sunday and I heard her complaining about she was being ambushed uh, because of the time in the service when they did the communion. All right, at, uh, I think at one particular point we did it at the beginning of the service and uh, she felt that she was being ambushed because she wasn't ready. Uh, to take of the Lord's Supper. I don't know what she did. I don't know. But she felt, and she was complaining about it uh, to somebody else. And I was passing by and I heard her say, I don't think I should be ambushed like that. You know, apparently uh, she wasn't prepared. Uh, so. Don't they give you that time? Hmm? Yes. She knew when the service started, but you know, there were times when they alternated it. Uh, sometimes they had it at the, just at the beginning of the service, and then sometimes they had it at the end. Okay, and that's how they, they, they alternated at times uh, on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, but you know, she felt that she wasn't ready. Yeah, she yeah, just. I take, you know, I take the Lord's of all the time. Mm -hmm. I take that at home. This is my privilege. Yeah, the inscriptions. Now, most would know when it's going to be yeah. mm -hmm. for Sunday. You ought to be ready when you come in downtown. Yes, you should be. Regardless if you have them or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's easy to say. Yeah. I know I used to preach that, but I know they didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you know, we should be ready today right. to go into the house of God. Mm -hmm. But we're not always ready. Well, you should be ready before you come to church to worship. Yeah, exactly. and if you're not ready, don't take it. Exactly. It's a simple thing, yeah. but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. confession's short. Yeah. 
Mm. Yes, humble, con uh, simple confession, and then you could partake. Um, I know pa Pastor Lee used to do that. Um, you know, ask people to, uh, if they're not ready, to prepare their hearts to partake before, and and um, it was an opportunity to do so. Okay, we have a, a quote here by William Wilberforce. Page 127. It says, Our motto must continue to be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty will crown our efforts with success. That's an interesting quote there. Okay, let's look at, um, as we wrap up here, how we can live this out as we go forth. How do you celebrate God's work and remain vigilant for yourself and others? Choose one of the following suggestions. Express thanks. Reflect on how God has rescued you from death through Jesus Christ. Pray and give thanks to God for the victory you have in Christ. And then stay vigilant. If you have previously committed to helping an organization fight injustice, stick with it. Continue to look for ways you can help and make a difference. And then celebrate together. Plan an event when your group can celebrate together the work of God in your lives. Use this event as an opportunity to invite others to participate and learn why we are celebrating. So everyone loves a celebration. Isn't that so? But we must remain vigilant lest our gains be lost. There's no room for complacency for the child of God. We must keep standing no room for complacent. We live in a world where people have a tendency to be complacent. 